0: You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And we return here on a Thursday edition episode of Locked On Ravens. Here as free agency continues throughout the entire NFL. Now the Ravens have not been very active themselves. They've seen a lot of teams go out and sign big-name players, hand out tons and tons of money, and for the Ravens, they've been on the down-low here, just being relatively quiet. So... The Ravens don't necessarily have a ton of holes to fill but they certainly do have a few and so I think over the next couple of days here we should start to see the Ravens begin to amp up their activity and begin to sign some outside free agents but for now all is quiet on the horizon. For this Baltimore Ravens team, the Ravens did make a couple of moves on Wednesday, and those are the moves I do want to get into a little bit here today and talk about why the moves were made, as well as talk a bit about, again, what the Ravens' plan is or what I think the Ravens plan is for, you know, the next couple of weeks here because for agency, since it has started it now goes on and on and on and over the next couple of weeks the next couple of months, Eric DaCosta and company will certainly be busy so we'll talk about that in the first segment then in the second segment here, we're going to talk with Patricia Trena of Locked on Giants about Kevin Zeitler and how he fits into this Ravens team both from an on and off field perspective and then in the final segment, we're going to look at some mock draft. ...that we received from Twitter for Mock Draft Monday, because I know the free agency can get a bit stressful, and if the Ravens aren't making moves, people can freak out a little bit, so I do want to shift focus a tiny bit towards the draft, because that's another area where the Ravens do have an opportunity to get better, and I put out a little joke mock draft last night on Twitter where the Ravens selected a receiver with every single pick because they have not yet signed a receiver to bolster their wide receiver room. So that was a little bit of a funny thing I did. It's funny sometimes to just poke fun at a situation, but in all reality, the Ravens are going to be just fine. So again, we'll be talking about the Ravens' moves they made on Wednesday in the first segment. We'll talk with Patricia Trena of Locked on Giants about Kevin Zeitler in the second segment. And then in the final segment, we'll be getting into some mock drafts that we received from Twitter for Mock Draft Monday. So with all that being said, let's jump right in here. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anywhere there's a podcast where they're waiting Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, be sure to subscribe and turn on automatic downloads so you get our content right when it comes out. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOFSTRIKER34. Freddie Ravens news, analysis, updates, free agency perspectives, draft perspectives, historical perspectives, and much, much more. So with all that being said, let's jump right into the moves that the Ravens made on Wednesday, starting off with the one that I don't really like, and that is the Ravens not picking up the option on LJ Fort, making him an unrestricted free agent. Now, Fort in his departure from Baltimore is kind of a shock. I think it was a shock to many and many expected Baltimore to pick up that option. Fort was a very solid contributor for the Ravens over the past couple of seasons. He and Josh Bynes single-handedly saved the Ravens linebacker core in 2019 when that unit really had some struggles. They came in and provided some nice veteran leadership to that unit. But now Fort is seemingly gone from Baltimore. There were reports that say that the Ravens could look at a reunion with Fort if the money is right, but Baltimore ends up saving $2.25 million in cap space, which in my opinion, I think $2.25 million is very well spent on a guy like LJ Fort. The Ravens are now going to enter 2021 with a very young linebacker room Unless they do retain LJ Fort and bring him back for cheaper money, or they sign another veteran, for example, maybe... Vince Williams, who was cut by the Steelers a couple days ago, can fill that veteran void. But with the Ravens re-signing Chris Board, I guess LJ Fort was the odd man out. So heading into 2021, if all stays the way it is, the Ravens will be entering that season with Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, and Chris Board as their main contributors, with Kristen Welch and Otara Alaka, guys who could also contribute there. So for the Ravens, a tough move here. I understand the cap savings, but I think that that money is better spent on LJ Fort unless they do make a big splash signing where they just needed that money. They needed it then and they needed it right in that moment, but the Ravens didn't do anything with it. And so right now, at least, I don't think the move is a very good one, but maybe the Ravens have something up their sleeve with that money. The next move the Ravens made here that we'll talk about is the signing of long snapper Brian Cooley, who snapped in the XFL. Now, this is a move that I don't think carries much weight for this team in the grand scheme of things. I think Cooley is someone who is going to compete with Nick Moore, who is the favorite for the long snapper job, and he's probably the guy who's going to end up losing that job because I think the Ravens really like Nick Moore. They protected him multiple times last season from the practice squad, and He's someone who I think the Ravens have a lot of high hopes for, so I think Cooley is just Nick Moore's competition, but on that note, Morgan Cox, the longtime Baltimore Ravens snapper, four-time All-Pro, signs with the Tennessee Titans, Cox is from Tennessee, so he gets to go home, and I mean, this is a move that I think helps the Titans out a bunch. We've talked with Tyler Rowland here before from Locked on Titans about how the Titans had some pretty bad special teams woes in the 2020 season, and Cox will certainly help solidify that room for them in the special teams area. So, A bittersweet move there as Morgan Cox leaves Baltimore, gets to go home, but it is to Tennessee who has become a bit of a rival to the Ravens over the past couple of seasons. And then finally here, in what some are calling the biggest move of the day for this Ravens team, the Ravens acquiring tight end Josh Oliver from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a conditional 7th round draft pick. Now this is a move that many people were up in arms about, and you know, it's not enough, it's not this, it's no stud receiver. This is a move that's pretty much just a free tryout for the Ravens, the conditional seventh round pick. The conditions are if Josh Oliver does not make the team coming out of training camp and makes that 53-man roster, if he does not do that, the Ravens get their seventh round pick back. So the Ravens like what Josh Oliver brings to the table. He is very athletic, a very nice athletic profile. He was a third-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019 out of San Jose State. He's played in four total NFL games throughout his two-year career. Three receptions for 15 yards is his NFL stat line. He's been injured quite a bit. He had to get placed on injured reserve with a back injury after his four games in 2019. And then he did not play at all in 2020. Missed the entire season with a foot injury. So the Ravens are taking a flyer here. But I think that this is a move where if Josh Oliver pans out, then hey, the Ravens get a nice tight end piece, a nice weapon for Lamar Jackson, and it only costs them a seventh round pick. But if the Ravens don't like what they see in Josh Oliver, they can cut ties with him and get their draft pick back. So no harm, no foul here with this move. I think more people were upset with the fact that the moves of the day for Baltimore were getting rid of a pretty good linebacker who's played well for this team, as well as signing a long snapper and trading for what essentially could be a fifth tight end on this team when it's all said and done, with Jacob Breeland maybe surpassing him, Eli Wolf, Tomlinson, so... I think that that is where more of the frustration lies, and yes, the Ravens, I anticipated them to be more active at this point in free agency, but the Ravens have a good roster, a good team right now, so they don't necessarily have to panic and throw money at guys, as I kind of talked about yesterday on this show. They can sit back, let the market develop, and I think that's the smart plan for them, but guys are going to keep flying off the board, and as teams continue to get better It's looking more and more likely that the Ravens are going to rely on big leaps from young players as well as big impact play from rookies in order to get this team to the next level and help them win that next Super Bowl. So we'll see what ends up happening over these coming days, coming weeks, coming months for this team. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they end up putting their roster together. But for right now, the Ravens have not been very active in free agency, but maybe that does change over these next couple of days. Working ahead into our first break now, but when we return, we'll be talking with Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants about Kevin Zeitler, so stay tuned for that and we will be right back. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Why off from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You will have computers with access to rockadder.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, How'd you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order at builtbar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. And we return here with our second segment of this Thursday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher is still here with you, and now joining me, the host of Locked on Giants, Patricia Trainer, here to talk with me about Ravens new guard, Kevin Zeitler. Zeitler signing a three-year, $22 million deal with the Ravens, a move that I personally am very excited about. I've kept tabs on Zeitler over the last few years, and is someone who I think is going to be a phenomenal fit in Baltimore. Patricia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thank you for joining and just talking about Kevin Zeitler. First, I want to get into a bit of his on-field performance because Zeitler has been a dominant guard ever since coming into the league and across the three teams he's been with, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Giants, he has been a beacon of consistency. Patricia, with Zeitler in New York, what did you see from his on-the-field play and what are a few of his strengths and weaknesses in your mind?
1: First off, he's a terrific individual, very you know, conscientious human being, a guy who cares, a guy who's going to be a leader in that locker room. He's not a rah-rah type of guy, but he's a leader by example. And boy, does he set a great example. One of the first guys in. One of the last guys to go home, despite the fact that he has a a beautiful wife and a young daughter and and another baby, I understand, on the way. So uh, every reason to go home early. But no, he puts in the time and he's a warrior. This is a guy who, you know, he might not win every single battle. Nobody really does. But you are going to get the battle of your life if you're going up against him. He's going to fight you tooth and nail and he's going to do everything he can to win his battle against you, and if he doesn 't win, he just uses that as ammunition or fuel, if you will, to, to motivate himself for the next play, so not a guy you want to get mad if you 're facing him on the field, you know not a guy who you know you 're going to notice a whole lot of. Um, You know, it's not like, oh, wow, you know, uh, Kevin Zeitler made this play or anything like that. But that's good for an offensive lineman. That's what you want. You want a guy who's going to go out there, who's not going to get noticed, who's going to get the job done at the end of the day and go home with his his lunch pail and his hard hat. And, you know, and, and that's the end of it.
0: Yeah, Zeitler is someone who I'm certainly excited to seeing, especially with his hardworking mentality. Patricia, the Ravens obviously value their run game, and I think that Zeitler is a great fit for what they do on the ground. With his time on the Giants, what did you see out of him from a run-blocking perspective?
1: I think he was one of the better run-blockers that the Giants had on the offensive line. Now, the last, I want to say, year and a half It looked like maybe just a little bit of his power seeped out. And I wonder if that doesn't have something to do with a shoulder injury that he battled through. He had a a shoulder issue, I think, uh, last year. It was either a shoulder or a neck. And then the year before that, I think he also got banged up a little bit. So some of the power in his game got compromised a little bit. That said, he makes up for it in terms of his smart veteran, you know, savvy awareness. And, um, you know, again, he's not going to win every single battle for you. You know, nobody does, but he's going to give you a good fight. And he, he, you know, the thing I like about him, especially is he works well in combo blocks. You know, he's not a guy who you're going to see make a lot of mistakes. You know, you, you, bar- you barely hear his name called for penalties, for example. You know, he barely is out of place. And he's got enough athleticism in there so that if you want to move him on a pole or put him out on the second level, he can do that and get to his target in enough time.
0: Yeah. And for Baltimore, they're definitely looking for that anchor on the interior and especially within their pass blocking game where the Ravens struggled at times to protect Lamar Jackson. He was scrambling for his life in certain situations, and I'm sure Jackson would like a bit cleaner of a pocket during the 2021 season. How about his pass blocking, Patricia? What does he bring in that facet of the game?
1: Very solid for the most part, a smooth drop back. He he set up his blocks well, worked well in, in combo blocks, uh, you know, was alert enough to clean up stuff if something got loose on either side of him. You know, remember he worked last year next to a, a first time center in Nick Gates. And Nick Gates, for as well as he played, you know, there were still some hiccups along the way. And, you know, Zeitler being the veteran that he is, was able to recognize a lot of these and clean them up and react accordingly. So he was kind of almost like a, a pseudo center, if you will, on that offensive line because he, you know, of his experience and his ability to adjust on the fly and whatnot. And he also had, you know, on the other side of him, he had Cameron Fleming, Fleming, who was a veteran right tackle, you know, a solid guy in in, in itself. But, uh, you know, Zeitler was kind of the, the, if you will, the captain if, of that right side of that offensive line, just a solid performer. Again, I I wonder how much, The shoulder might have bothered him a little bit because at times the power games seem to drop off. But he's a guy who doesn't really miss games. I think he missed one game, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was because of his shoulder that coming last year. But, you know, this is a guy you you just he'll come to work dragging himself in if he has to. He's just that sturdy and that dependable.
0: Yeah, very durable. Something the Ravens do need on their offensive line. But Patricia, kind of going off of your last point, the Ravens are a very young offensive line. And you talked a bit about Zeitler and his leadership, which is going to be huge for this young Ravens offensive line. But on the field, as you talked about with him being able to calm down the young guys, how important has his leadership been or was his leadership for this New York Giants team, not only on the field, but off of it as well?
1: I think it was one of the most underrated aspects of his game. To be honest with you, I mean, when we talk about leaders on the Giants, his name really didn't come up. But you know, listening to some of his teammates talk about him and, and the admiration and respect that they had for him, um, it was pretty clear that that his was a voice. That you know w- was well respected in that locker room. And again, Kevin is not a, a talker. He just you know e- even when you get him on a Zoom call, he just kind of is, is a straight shooter. He's not going to give you some flowery answer or be animated or or entertaining or, or anything like that. I don't know if it's just because he's shy or, or what the case is, but you know he's more of a lead by example type of guy. And he's also the type who you know I can remember before the uh, the pandemic shut everything down he was always a guy that you know had a teammate you know, come over and sit, and they would chit chat, or you know, I guess talk shop, or whatever the case may be. So he's a great resource, and I think on a young offensive line, he's going to be a very valuable asset. I'm sorry the Giants weren't able to keep him. You know, I had hoped they would find a way. I mean, I kind of knew that realistically that that would happen, but I I hoped against all hope that they would find a way to keep him, and they didn't. And now you
0: guys got him. Zeitler is certainly someone that. I am extremely excited about having in Baltimore for however long he's there. It's a three-year deal. Who knows that the Ravens will keep him there for that long? But if his play is good enough, that contract is a bargain for the Ravens, and it also, I believe, is a good deal for Zeitler as well. But, Patricia, thank you so much for joining me here today. I think Zeitler is a phenomenal addition, and I really do appreciate your insight. No problem, Kevin. It was great having Patricia on the show to talk about Kevin Zeitler. It seems like from what Patricia said, he's going to be a phenomenal fit with this Ravens team. And I'm excited to see not only his on the field play, but his leadership as well, because it seems like he's going to be someone who really helps this Ravens team take their offense to the next level. We're going to head into our final break here, and when we return, we'll be talking about some mock drafts that we received from Twitter, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. There are real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online, as you covered for all the new scores and odds, It's the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This April, 12-17, to 17, join the Maryland SPCA for a Virtual Festival for the Animals, the dog doggonest way to support your community. Raise money to save homeless pets and keep families together by joining a fundraising team or creating your own with your family, friends, or neighbors. Every dollar raised gives sick and injured pets a second chance and supports families in Baltimore with pet food assistance, vet care, and more. When you register for $29, you'll also receive a festival t-shirt and commemorative medal. Sign up today at mdspca.org slash ravens. That's mdspca.org slash ravens. And we return here with our final segment of this Thursday edition of Locked on Ravens. Your host, Kevin Ostrich, is still hanging out with you here. And we're now going to shift our focus from free agency to the 2021 NFL draft and take some attention away from free agency again, as I know it's a stressful time, so for Baltimore they have another opportunity to get better through this 2021 draft. And we're going to take a look at some mock drafts that we received from Twitter for Mock Draft Monday. And we're going to start off with Eric Clark, who has the Ravens taking Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver, at pick 27. At pick 68, i on Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver. Daylon Hayes, the edge, at 104. At 131, Walker Little, the offensive tackle, is the selection. At 168, Patrick Johnson, the edge, is the pick. At 179, Drake Jackson, the interior offensive lineman, is the selection. Marco Wilson, the cornerback, is the pick at 183. And DeMar Hamlin, the safety, is the pick at 199. So some trading here done by Eric, it seems. And I like this draft a lot. I think, again, now with the Ravens and we have a clearer idea of... What the Ravens need in the draft because with free agency, the Ravens opted to sign Kevin Zeitler and that fills a hole on the interior offensive line. But so far without the Ravens signing a wide receiver, the Ravens certainly could use a couple in the draft or maybe even just one, as I've been saying, but as each hour, each day goes on where they don't sign a veteran. They're going to need some guys, and what Teresh Marshall Jr. and Ross, St. Brown, they both fit the physical profile the Ravens need. Both have similar skill sets, but also differ in some areas. Both have the potential to be absolute studs. Dalen Hayes and Edge, I do think the Ravens are going to take an Edge player, at least one of them, in this draft, regardless of if they sign another guy in free agency. They've already retained Tyus Bowser, but they only have three Edge Rushers currently on the roster, so my prediction is that the Ravens will probably sign another veteran from outside the organization in free agency and then draft another in the draft. For Walker Little, the offensive tackle, again, the Ravens could use a guy like Walker Little to be a bridge. He could sit under Orlando Brown Jr. for a year if Orlando Brown Jr. stays, or he could end up being the guy if he shows up enough in camp and shows the Ravens that he deserves to be that starter if Orlando Brown Jr. is traded. And then just more depth all around, another edge, interior offensive line, cornerback safety. I do like this draft. I have not been on the board of the Ravens taking a wide receiver at all here, but with the Ravens not signing a Corey Davis or not getting a Curtis Samuel. It's seeming less and less likely that the Ravens are going to spend big money on a stud receiver in free agency, so now it becomes more likely, and I am more on board with the idea of the Ravens getting a stud receiver through the draft, because at the end of the day, talent is talent no matter how many years of NFL experience you have. So overall, a very nice draft here from Eric. The two-wide receiver route back-to-back in rounds one and two could be a little bit controversial. But again, depending on how the Ravens finish out this free agency, it could be something the Ravens consider if they can get two talented playmakers. Our next mock draft here comes from James Henkels, who has the Ravens taking Jalen Phillips, the edge, at pick 27. At pick 58, Elijah Molden, the cornerback. At pick 104, Hamza Nazarazaline, the safety. At pick 131, Cameron Sample, the edge, is the selection. Joshi Matterbebe is the pick at 168, the wide receiver. At 183, Drake Jackson, the interior offensive lineman, is the selection. And then at 208, Landon Young, the offensive tackle, is the pick. And So this is an interesting draft because it has the Ravens taking a cornerback in the second round, which I'm not opposed to. Jimmy Smith is getting up there in age, and whether the Ravens want to keep Marcus Peters on the roster with his money is a question, although I think they will. I don't think that's really a a question, but it is something that could be brought up. So the Ravens taking Elijah Molden in the second round. Molden is a great player, and I think that it could be a fit, but I don't know where he fits on the roster at this point point unless the Ravens decide to keep a ton of different cornerbacks and more than I'm expecting them to keep in terms of actual size of guys they're keeping on the roster Jalen Phillips I love I love this pick at 27 I think he is one of the underrated guys who isn't necessarily a reach at 27 I think that maybe the Ravens could trade back to 30, 31 and still get Phillips, but at 27, I don't think it's an overly huge reach, and then getting a safety in the third round, I think is big there, Cam Sample, I like a lot, Joshy Matterbebe, I've talked about here on the show before, and the combination, the Kentucky combination on the offensive line of Drake Jackson and Landon Young, two guys who are really good players, and I think fit the Ravens system, especially coming from that Kentucky offense. That runs a similar system, not exactly the same, but similar system to what the Ravens run in Baltimore. So overall, getting some nice defensive talent in the first couple of rounds and then rounding out the draft, getting some nice, good offensive pieces. I think that could be a situation that we see the Ravens go for in this draft anyway. Drafting some defense and trying to sign some guys in free agency on offense because again, free agency is not over yet but I could see maybe instead of a corner in the second round, the Ravens take a receiver there. But other than that, I do like this draft a lot. Our next draft here comes from Akai, who says, Trade for the Chargers for Orlando Brown Jr. Might not receive the 97th, but at least the 13th. Plus, they get bookend for Herbert. Lots of best player available and sneaky good wide receiver at 131. So the Ravens getting picks 13-97 and for Orlando Brown Jr. Then the Ravens trading pick 13 to the New England Patriots for picks 15-46 and a round two selection in 2022. And finally, the Ravens trading picks 15-168 and 208 to the Indianapolis Colts for picks 21 and 54. So at pick 21, the Ravens take Ronnie Perkins, the edge out of Oklahoma. At pick 27, Javon Moverick, the safety out of TCU, is the selection. Greg Newsom, the second, the cornerback out of Northwestern, is the pick at 46. At pick 54, Lee McNeil, the defensive lineman out of North Carolina State, is the selection. At pick 58, Liam Eikenberg, the tackle out of Notre Dame, is the pick. Quinn Miner is the center out of Wisconsin. Whitewater is the pick at 97. Quincy Roche, the edge out of Miami, is the pick at 104. Jonathan Adams Jr., the wide receiver out of Arkansas State, is the pick at 131. And then the Ravens trade pick 183 to the Rams and receive around 5 in 2022 and 207. And with pick 207, O'Brien Goodson, the defensive lineman out of Memphis, is the selection. So overall, I think this draft is really good for this team. I think the first thing I'll say is... With the way free agency has gone so far, I would probably replace Ronnie Perkins with a Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall Jr., maybe Kadarius Toney even, but a wide receiver, a stud wide receiver. I love Javon Moerig at pick 27. I think he's a stud and could fill a hole in this Ravens defense. Greg Newsom is an interesting pick. He, he's a stud as well. I like what he brings to the table, but can the Ravens afford to keep another corner and spend this draft pick on a corner, pick 46, where it could be used to take maybe an edge if Ronnie Perkins is not the selection at 21. Ali McNeil, I think, is very underrated and could be a piece for a long time. Leon Eichenberg, I like. Quinn Miners, I like. Quincy Rochet I like. Jonathan Adams Jr., I think, is a really underrated sleeper there. O'Brien Goodson is also a good player, although I don't think the Ravens are going to take two interior defensive linemen in this draft. I think they'll take one, but I don't think they'll take two. So overall, getting that value for Orlando Brown Jr. is very important, and then getting Liam Eichenberg is a very nice replacement for Brown Jr., and then getting talent here all across the board. There are a few things I would change, but overall, I do like the direction this draft is going in for sure. Our final mock draft that we'll look at here today comes from Rye, who has the Ravens taking Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, at pick 27. At pick 58, Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma, is the pick. Quincy Rochet, the edge out of Miami, is the pick at 104. At 131, Bobby Brown, the third, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, is the selection. Brendan James, the tackle out of Nebraska, is the pick at 168. At 183, Tyreek Thompson, the safety out of San Diego State, is the selection. And finally, at 203, Trey McKinney, the tight end from Georgia, is the pick. The Rashad Bateman, Creed Humphrey, Quincy Roche trio there, I absolutely love. I love that, especially, again, with the way free agency is gone. The Ravens are probably going to need to address their stud wide receiver problem, not through free agency, but through The draft and Bateman certainly gives them a stud receiver who is going to be a beast at the NFL level. Creed Humphrey, I love as a prospect. I've been talking him up for a while. Quincy Rocher, same thing. I still think he's a steal at 104. Bobby Brown, the third, is a nice piece on the defensive line. Brendan James, I've talked about before. I like what he brings and could be a nice backup tackle to Orlando Brown Jr. if he stays for the 2021 season. And you can kind of teach him up and coach him up to maybe take over that role in 2022 if Orlando Brown Jr. does leave and then getting a safety late I like for depth purposes and the tight end pick with Josh Oliver's acquisition I think the Ravens really want to give him a chance and really want to see if he is the real deal especially coming off of back-to-back seasons his first two seasons with major injuries and we'll see what that ends up being so McKinney is a nice player but I think the Ravens probably aren't going to take a tight end in this draft unless they can get their hands on a Brevin Jordan or Pat Fryermuth or someone of that nature but overall I like this draft a lot I like the picks that are made, the positional values, and I think getting the three of Rashad Bateman, Creed Humphrey, and Quincy Roche along with the depth throughout the rest of the draft could set the Ravens up for success both in the present and in the future. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be rounding out the week with more Ravens talk, so stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.